officially open. It's draft season. Well, it's definitely coming quick. John Schmelk, Tony Pauline with you. Our partner, Eric Crocker, is on the move back to California to celebrate the holidays with the family. He'll be back with us next week. So just a two-man crew today. It's all brought to you by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Football Giants. And, of course, this is an NFL Draft podcast. So even though I work for the Giants, uh, this is just about the draft here, folks. So if you're into the draft, make sure you go subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Tony, how are you, man? I'm okay. I hope everybody's well. Getting getting ready for the holidays. I guess Hanukkah started this weekend. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. And Christmas is right around the corner. So uh, exciting times. And then, you know, we come down the, the end of the NFL season. It also means that we're getting out. It's bowl season on the college schedule. And a lot of college declarations, a lot of underclassmen going to sit out these games and uh, and prepare for the combine, pro day workouts and things of that sort. Yeah, no question. Uh, I got to celebrate the first night of Hanukkah. I'm not Jewish, so I didn't really celebrate. But getting three hours of sleep, coming back on a train from Washington, D.C. after a Giants win. So always coming good coming back after a win. But if I, if I seem a little bleary-eyed, it's because uh, two of my three hours of sleep came on the cold floor in my office. So be, bear with me, folks. I ask you kindly. Um, all right, Tony, so let's go through this first. You talk about a lot of underclassmen declaring coming out for the draft. Uh, let's start with two guys that didn't declare – but we know they're going to come out, but they said, we're going to play in the sugar bowl. And that's Alabama Bryce young and Will Anderson, both going to play in the game. We expect them both to declare shortly thereafter. They haven't yet. So we're not going to go into his prospects, but those are two of the guys that decide, look, we're going to play in this bowl game, even though they're not in the college football playoffs. Very interesting. And I guess they, they look at it as unfinished business. I mean, you expect Alabama to be in the college football playoffs, if not the national championship, that's not going to happen this year. You know, Nick Saban, Nick Saban, he does a good job with his players because he doesn't try and always re-recruit the players. He get he tells the players, you know, listen, if you're going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft, you got to go. And both Bryce Young and Will Anderson are going to be top 15 picks in the NFL draft. So, you know, good for those, good on those guys. Good for Nick Saban. I think it's the way he runs the program. I think they feel is a bit of unfinished business. Cross your fingers. Just hope everybody comes out of the game healthy. Uh, these, you know, these are not trendsetters. These guys are the exception to the rule as we're going to see as we move towards uh, the end of December and through the beginning of January. Yeah. We expect both those guys to likely be top five picks at at the very worst top 10 picks, uh, certainly in the draft this year. So we're going to go through these early declarations. We're going to go through, you know, some of the minor bowls that have already happened. If a couple guys jumped out to either one of us, we'll look ahead to some of the bowls next week. We're going to stop short of the college football playoffs and maybe a couple of the major bowls over the, over that weekend, because we're going to have a show next Wednesday that'll cover that. So we'll kind of cover the, all the games heading into, you know, that Wednesday night before, um, uh, before we do our next show next week. So Tony, we've had a bunch of declarations. Uh, let's kind of group the wide receivers together first, because I feel like these underclassmen are sitting there like, wow, this is a pretty open wide receiver class. We better declare we could be the first guy taken. And I think it's really up in the air. So let's start with Jalen Hyatt, who obviously had a monster year for the volunteers in, in Tennessee. I went back. I watched a lot of his tape heading into this podcast to get ready for it. You know, he has speed and that's the best thing I can say. He's fast. He can run away from people. I don't see a really well-rounded game quite yet, in my opinion. You don't see contested catches. It's not a you know he does. He's not really son at the top of his routes like you expect a speedster to be. But boy, straight line, he runs by everyone. 
very unpolished, uh, but a home run, a, a home run hitter at the position. Uh, and I mean, he continually delivered for Tennessee in that fashion. And when you look at the receiver position, it's not very strong. There's a good possibility Jalen Hyatt could be the first receiver selected somewhere middle, late part of round one, because it's really bare. I, I, I mean, Quentin Johnson's going to enter the draft. I'm sure he'll compete to, for that number one uh, receiver spot. Kayshawn Booty has announced that he's going back to LSU for another year. Good on him because he yeah. did not have a good season. I mean, it, it, really, the door is wide open. And I think with Jalen Hyatt, you know he's going to have to work on his routes. You know, you're going to have to develop a route tree because he doesn't have. He's going to have to work on his footwork in and out of uh, routes keeping that speed into and out of breaks, you know, so he can separate. But still, as you said, I mean, he's a home run hitter. He's the type of guy that defensive backs are going to have to move a step or two back. The safety's going to have to keep an eye on him when he steps to the line of scrimmage. And in what looks like a very weak receiver class, I mean, he's got the speed. He's got the home run hitting ability. And he showed it week in and week out yeah. when he wasn't even expected to be the number one receiver, <clears throat> excuse me, for Tennessee coming into the season. Yeah, six one, just 180 pounds. He's kind of leggy. He's got very long legs, which might have to do with his ability to come in and out of those breaks very sharply, yeah. Tony. But he certainly, he, cer he certainly has that speed, man. And you're right. He's going to be competing with some of these other guys we're going to talk about shortly uh, for the top wide receiver taken. And he's all the – I think, you know, I have it written down. I don't have it in front of me, though. Like, what, 15 touchdowns this year for Hyatt? 18 touchdowns? Something that's ridiculous. He's, he's, he's been living in the end zone. And in big moments, too. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like, you know, 15 touchdowns. It wasn't like five touchdowns, six touchdowns against Austin P. I mean, he performed well <laughs> no. in the big spot for Tennessee. Yeah, no question. All right, let's go to another wide receiver that declared. This is something we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, but I went deeper into his tape from last year because he only played, I think, oh, gosh, probably less than 100 snaps this year. That's Jackson Smith and Jigba, yeah. the wide receiver for Ohio State, six foot, 198 pounds. You know, he was very productive. Last year, when he was on the field with uh, Olave and Garrett Wilson, he had, you know, 87 catches over a thousand yards that year. Maybe I think 94 catches, maybe even really productive year. He had the monster bowl game, obviously. I was surprised when I looked back at his tape because I didn't watch him closely last year, Tony. You know, this guy was exclusively a slot wide receiver. He barely played outside at all. Um, I thought he had pretty decent suddenness at the top of his route, but I didn't think he was as good as that Garrett Wilson in that regard, for example. You know, good, not 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 as fast as Chris Olave. Good, not great speed. I think a good, solid slot wide receiver, but I didn't see rare traits when I watched him on tape. They didn't need to play him outside in 2021 at, at Ohio State because they had Olave, they had Garrett Wilson, they had a couple other guys there. I like him a lot. The fact is this is he was C.J. Stroud's number one uh, target last year and teams knew the ball was going to be thrown to him because Olave could because Stroud wasn't looking at the other receivers, especially Olave, and it couldn't stop him. Yeah, he needs a lot of polish in his game. I, I, I think I, I don't agree. I think he made a mistake entering the draft, you know, missed most of the season. Because of the hamstring issue, some people told me that he basically tuned out uh, of playing this year in September. It was basically given at that time. Very difficult. Sometimes doesn't work when you get a guy who's on the downside, when you get a guy who hasn't played his best football coming off a bad year, coming off a year like that with a hamstring injury to get him back to where he was. And again, you know, we're not talking about an ankle or a knee. We're talking about a hamstring injury for a thinner receiver who's got decent speed that's a concern. I think what's going to happen was if he had gone back and had a big year, he would have been a first round pick. I think right now you're looking at day two for him. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I probably think he's a more well, more well-rounded receiver than Hyatt. To be honest with you, if I was right. picking between the two, I would probably pick Smith and Jigba at this point. Hyatt's going to outtest him at the combine. That's going to be a factor. He's probably going to be a you know a sub four four guy. I would guess on his forty yard dash. So we'll see. He'll have some work to do, but it'll be good competition for that first wide receiver off the board. But the thing is, this is you know hamstring injuries and receivers quick receivers, that, that's not a good combination. So uh, there's going to be a lot of questions asked of him, and there's going to be a lot of questions asked of the medical staff at Ohio State as to exactly what went on. Yeah, and both Hyatt and Smith and Jigba, by the way, both said they're not going to play in their in their uh, bowl game. So something to keep in mind here as we move ahead. You know, Tony, one guy I was not that familiar with, and I was very excited to watch him, Josh Downs out of North Carolina, smaller guy. Listed at 5'10", 175, which tells me he was probably closer to 5'8", 165, <laughs> based on how college programs list their height and weight. His his weigh-in at the combine will be essential. But, boy, he plays a lot bigger than his size on tape. He makes contested catches. He's physical at the catch point. He's sudden. Talk about suddenness at the top of the route. This is your guy. I loved what I saw on tape. And if not for his measurables, Tony, he was the best wide receiver I watched out of all these guys that declared. Very reliable, very dependable. Another guy who, like Hyatt, came up in the big spot for his team. You know, fade routes in the, or corner routes in, in the end zone, he'd come away with the catch, ran good underneath routes, was in tune with his with his quarterback, knew how to separate, follow the quarterback across the field. Much better player in 2022 than he was in 2021, and he was a good receiver in 2021. All the signs are pointing north. But as you said, I mean, if he doesn't measure 5'10", where does he end up in the draft? Doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. Just means that, you know, there's not a big market for receivers that are under 5'10". In the draft, you're going to have to develop plays for him, develop positions for him, you know, gadget plays. You, you talked about, uh, you know, uh, Smith and Jingba being basically a slot receiver. That's what you're looking at in downs. Going to be a very good NFL receiver, I believe, if he used correctly. But again, you're looking at a day two choice. You know, and another guy that declared out of Maryland, uh, out of Maryland, Tony, Rakeem Jarrett. You know, I watched him and I was surprised that that he declared, to be honest with you, in that offense, he just wasn't asked to do a whole lot. It's a lot of just get it to him in space, let him make run after the catch. And there weren't a ton of big yards after the catch plays, even though they tried to set those up for him. So I think he's looking at a early day three, at best, late day two type of pick. I have him right now as a fifth rounder, okay? And a guy like Rakeem Jarrett, you got to see what his, what his testing uh, results are because, you know, he will be helped if he runs fast and he's shown some deep speed. He's good, but he's not great. He's not special. There's nothing that really stands out about him. He's had a lot, he made a lot of good plays for, uh, came up uh, consistently for Maryland. But again, uh, you know, there's nothing that separates him from everyone else. I guess I'm not surprised. I don't know that he was going to improve that much. I, I had him coming into the year as a sixth rounder. I moved him up to a fifth rounder. If he tests better, I may move him into the fourth round. You know, but he is what he is. And what you're looking at is maybe a number four, number five receiver at the next level. And then, Tony, I haven't watched him yet, but I know you're excited about Tyler Scott, wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Yeah, this guy, he reminds me a bit of Elijah Moore. He is a big play receiver. You want to talk about Jalen Hyatt and his big playability? Watch Tyler Scott. The difference between Tyler Scott and, and, and Jalen Hyatt is – Tyler Scott plays for Cincinnati. So at 3.30, he's not on network television. No, he's not on ABC or he's not on CBS. He's on ESPN2 or ESPNU. But this guy, I, I mean, he is a terrific pass catcher. He catches everything in sight. 
He's smart. He's got great intuition on the field, and he's got home run hitting speed. I've been told that he is running the four twos previous uh, at wow. timing in Cincinnati, even if he runs in the low four threes. But again, he's like Josh Downs. He's probably not even going to measure five foot ten when he steps on the scale. Uh, at the combine, which is going to kind of devalue his draft stock. I absolutely think Tyler Scott, who no one's talking about now, they will be talking about him after the combine, is going to be a day two puck, will also help out as a return specialist. Big time home run hitter who comes up a little bit shy for the uh, measuring stick. All right, Tony, before we go to another position, give me our 10,000 foot view. You don't have to mention players if you want, but just take this wide receiver crew as a whole and compare it to what we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, it's way down, way down. I mean, you're talking, you, you may have a couple of first round picks. You may have guys who squeak into the first round players who reach in the, fir- in, in the first round. It, it's basically day two and day three type of guys. You're looking at number two receivers, number three receivers, number four receivers. Not a lot of guys that no Garrett Wilson's in this year's draft. Nothing close to Garrett Wilson in this year's draft. Fair to say if you took this class combined with last year's draft, Tony, you know, the guys this year are probably going fifth, sixth, seventh, like like that like that type of area. Couple of third rounders, but yeah, basically it's late day two, uh, day three type guys. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's a da- if your team needs a, a receiver, you better get one a free agency because there's not a whole heck of a lot in the draft. Yeah, no one's going like these guys aren't going over Drake London. They're not going over Garrett Wilson. They're not going over Jamison Williams. Uh, they might, they might, they're not going over Chris Olave. You know, maybe Jahan Dotson. I think that's probably where the conversation starts. But the way Dotson's playing, maybe not. So look, I'm with you. I just think it's it's a deal where teams are going to pick him in the first round. Teams are going to pick wide receivers in the first round because they need wide receivers. That doesn't necessarily mean that these are, you know, number one X style wide receivers here. And even Jahan Dotson, he didn't have the great speed, but he was a tremendous route runner. He knew how to separate. He knew how to get open. Great hands. Everything in sight. I mean, everything in sight, which you don't really see any of these. Even Rasheed Rice, I did my Rasheed Rice uh, uh, film work. And Rasheed Rice is good, but there's just that, there's not that extra oomph about his game that really gets you excited. But he's a good player. All right, let, let's stick on the offensive side of the boat, Tony, but before we head over to the defense. Uh, Michael Mayer from from Notre Dame, the tight end, declared. I went back and I watched him. The impressive thing to me, like this is a tight end that they plucked out of the late 80s, early 90s, Tony. He's 6'4". He's 265. Right. He'll block if they ask him. Look, he's not Mark Bavaro yet, but the guy knows how to block. Right. Um, he's a really good route runner for a guy his size. He's quick out of his breaks. Boy, if you want a two-way tight end and if you want to play a lot of 12 personnel, boy, he's a guy that I think every team's going to be targeting. And, and he's a first-round pick. He could, he could be top 15. Last show we did. I, I compared him to Mark Bavaro because he is that type of two-way uh, tight end. You know, he's not the scene stretcher that teams like these days. He's not, you know, the oversized receiver playing the tight end position, but he's really good at everything he does. He's got to pick up his blocking a bit, a bit, but they really didn't ask him to block all that much at Notre Dame because he was so uh, he was such a weapon in in the passing game. Gets up in a crowd, comes down with the ball, uh, consistent pass catcher, big body guy. You know, a Gronkowski type of big body guy that will carry uh, defenders for yards after the reception. Uh, but again, you know, he is your sort of throwback tight end, as you said, what we saw in the eighties and the nineties. That's not what people are looking for. That's not what people want these days. Still going to be a lot of value. You know, one other tight end that uh, I want to touch on, an underclassman who uh, has already announced is Tucker Craft of South Dakota State. 
This guy to me is is go dirt plus some Tucker Craft. If you go back and you watch the 2021 film, or I should say, coming up coming out of the summer this year, summer after doing the 2021 film, Tucker Craft of South Dakota State was my number one rated non Division one player, non FBS player. He was my number one rated small school player. He is a phenomenal pass catcher. Played well against Iowa in the first game of the season, but hurt his ankle, missed the next six games. This guy is, is a dominant pass catcher. He is that oversized receiver at the tight end position. A lot of people, some people say he's, you know, he's, he's very, he's got confidence about himself to the point where some people say he's arrogant, but he's outstanding. And South Dakota State won their, uh, beat Montana State this weekend in the Division uh, 1AA FCS uh, semifinals. They're now playing North Dakota State. I believe it's the day before the national title game. That is going to be a game to watch. Tucker Kraft, the tight end, the junior tight end from South Dakota State, who's already announced he's entering the draft. I think he's an early day two choice. Well, you don't see many FCS players declare early. He's got to be talented if he's if he's doing that. All right, Tony, fun game. What, what do you think the odds that a tight end gets selected before a receiver as the first player off the board in this year's draft. Uh, we got to see what the order is in the, uh, you know, what the, what the order in the, in the first round is, but I think it's, you know, it's a distinct possibility. I think with, with mayor of Notre Dame, there's not a lot of downside there. There's not the great upside. He doesn't need as much work on his game as say a Jalen Hyatt. He doesn't have the, the, you know, the concerns is, say, Smith and Jimba of Ohio State, who basically hasn't played a season. So it, it's a distinct possibility. All right, let's go to our last offensive player here. The other player we want to touch here on offense, um, Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern, okay. the offensive tackle, Tony. Um, he declared as well. Uh, we talked about him, I think, in one of our first episodes. And at that point, he was kind of considered the top tackle in the class. I think he's been overtaken by Paris Johnson out of Ohio State at this point. But look, he's as solid as a rock. I don't remember. Maybe it was you that reported it, or maybe it was somebody else. I've been told he might not measure much longer than 32 inch arms. So right. I think a lot of teams might be looking at him as a guard at some point. You know, he kind of reminds me of almost like a Jonah Williams type of player where some people might see him as a guard instead of a tackle, right? But he's going to be a first round pick and he's going to be a good offensive lineman wherever he winds up. May not even be six foot four either. So you got to wait and see what happens there. He, he is the top guard on my board. I have him on my guard board. Now, when you watch him at left tackle, He's a premier pass blocker. I mean, terrific footwork, agile, is able to, adjust, to knock the uh, pass rushers from their angle of attack. Good good in motion, gets out to the second level. Uh, but the fact is, is he may not have those great left tackle measurables that team wants, which, which will push him inside the guard. Uh, real uh, a zone blocking type of guy who you can put him in motion, you can get him out on the second level, you can pull him across the line of scrimmage and he's going to do a good job for you. Again, another good player who was good in 2021, but really upped his game in 2022. I think he's going to go somewhere in the middle of round one. All right. Don't forget, folks, go download the Giants TV app. It's the Giants official streaming television app. You can find it for free on Apple TV, Roku, and all your other uh, streaming services. Go check that out. All right, Tony, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. A couple Clemson players declared early. Uh, let's first go to the linebacker position. Trent Simpson out of Clemson, one of these classic speed, undersized linebackers, 6'3", 230 pounds. Look, he runs. Like You get him in space, he'll run, he'll chase. He can go sideline to sideline. Uh, he's you know, he's, he's willing to be physical, but he's just not that big of a guy. You like what you see. He's going to be a first-round pick. 
but he's one of these guys that you have to scheme around because he's not, you know, going to meet these off. You know, he's not going to do what these old school linebackers used to do, you know, meet and shed offensive linemen running power right at him. Sort of your classic four, three weak side linebacker. Yeah, definitely a will coverage, drop him off the line, can cover the tight end downfield, can cover the running back outstanding in pursuit. You know, a guy who, you may run some design blitzes on, but you're not really going to ask him to uh, get a lot of force up the field. Obviously, he's going to have to test well because you, you want to see that those 40 times and the shuttle times match what you're seeing on film. If it doesn't, it's going to hurt his draft stock. And, and you want to see what his measurables are. You know, he's small at 6'3", 230. It's not really that, you know, you see a dude in the, in the bar at 6'3", 230. You're not saying he's small, but he's very good. I mean, he's very athletic. He plays athletic football. Uh, he's very explosive. Uh I, I, I have them right now, late first, early second with the underclassmen. You really want to see what their measurables are. I'll be redundant in saying that. And when I do, you put a final, I'll put a final grade on Simpson. A real good football player. There's no doubt about it, though. A similar linebacker, at least size-wise, 6'5", 232, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. Yeah. Another he's, – he's, he's a little bit tall. He's a little bit leggy. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's long. He can run. He's an explosive tackler. Now he's missed a few, you know, too many tackles from my taste, but he's very explosive at 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 point of contact with other guys. And he has the tools you would want because of his length and coverage. Uh, really good athlete. Really interesting background. I think his dad. I think is is I think his his uh, dad is a, is an arm wrestler or something like that. I think that's him, right? So you know, just real interesting background. And I think he's going to be an interesting player that that team's going to be excited about because what a good athlete he is. Alabama transfer who yeah. Came off a career year, had, what, over 100 tackles this year, was constantly around the ball making plays. Really was not much of a name in the scouting community before the season began and just blew up and just kept playing better and better and better. I think that, you know, somebody like him, don't know that he's going to get into a a game like the Senior Bowl because I don't know what his graduation status is. But with somebody like that, you want to see, you know, how he does in the coverage drills. You know, is he smooth and fluid pedaling in reverse or is he a guy that's basically in the box and sideline to sideline? I think right now you're looking at day two with Sanders coming off a great year. Understand why he entered the draft. I mean, it's going to be difficult for him to top his performance in 2022. You might as well strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, no question. I, I got his background confused with another player. His dad was a high school coach um, mm-hmm. for a very long time. So he's a smart kid. Um, knows what he's doing and just someone to keep an eye on here as you move forward. Let's stick here, Tony, in Clemson, Miles Murphy. Yeah. And you want to, you know, we talked about Michael Mayer as being an old school tight end. Well, this guy's an old school four, three defensive end. He's on the bigger side. Um, he's a good pass rusher. He's quick for a side. He's not going to be one of these, you know, stand up guys in a three, four, that's, you know, going to rush the passer and, and be afraid to, you know, come after you in the run game. Uh, six five two seventy five. Uh, I think he's going to be a fit for any four three scheme, and just because of his physical traits, and then of course his 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 power, his ability, his athleticism, all that stuff. He's he's going to be a top ten pick in this year's draft. He's and he's always been on my board. I mean, I I wrote about him over the summer. He, you know, I had him rated slightly higher than Brian Brise. I, I like Murphy so much. I love his pass rushing ability. His speed off the edge. He's able to bend off the edge. Plays with great balance. Plays with great body control. It's got to get a little bit stronger. A couple times this year, he's getting blown off the ball, especially late in the games on running downs. So he's going to have to improve his anchor and improve his play in, in run defense. But still, you know, in a four-man line, you put him, in, you put his hand in the ground. He is a terrific pass rusher. And in a passing league, you got to get a pass rush. You got to get, you got to get cornerbacks. You got to get guys up there that can uh, 
harass the passer and sack the passer. And that's what Murphy has done very well the past two years. Yeah, no question about it. He's just a, a really, really, really good player. Um, all right, let's go to uh, the other edge rusher that's coming out that we're going to talk about here, Tony, and that's B.J. Ojolari, younger brother to Aziz Ojolari, uh, who's with the Giants. And, you know, I watched him, and I saw a lot of Aziz Ojolari in him. Um, he can kind of dip and rip on the edge. He's got good good speed and good burst. Uh, I thought his length was really impressive. It allowed him to play the run a little bit better. He's more of your stand-up outside yeah. rusher in a in a base 3-4 that's going to go after the passer. But I think he's the ability to be a two-way player. You know, he wore number 18 for LSU, which is a big deal down there for the people that follow that program. And I think he's going to be another guy that's going to be highly sought after as a pure pass rusher off the edge in this year's draft. In the versatility that maybe Miles Murphy doesn't have in the sense that you can stand him up over tackle, you can put him, you put his hand in the ground, have him come out of a three-point stance, shows a lot of athleticism in his game, shows the ability to backpedal, move, uh, move laterally. Obviously, I, I don't think he's as polished as Murphy as far as his pass rushing skills are concerned, uh, but he's got a tremendous amount of upside. He's only going to get stronger as he, as he physically matures. He gets into an NFL weight training program. He has that athleticism. I always liked his brother at Georgia. I think this old Ojolari probably has more upside. Uh, could absolutely see him going in the bottom half or, or middle of bottom half of round one. By the way, uh, Tyson Badgett is uh, is the the player, the uh, Division Two out of Shepard, the quarterback um, that uh, has his father. That's the arm wrestling champion. That's where I got those two confused there. And Tony, I know before we moved on and we move on to some of the bowl stuff, I know you wanted to talk about. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan, they really haven't had their early declarations yet. And you wanted to talk about maybe which one of those players uh, might end up declaring and based on what you're hearing. Well, you know, if we go back to our show after the Michigan-Ohio State game, you stated about how Ohio State has got so many more NFL prospects than Michigan and Michigan pounded them because they play better team ball. What I'm hearing from Ohio State is it's going to be a floodgates. Once they lose, whether it be in the semifinal game to Georgia, if if they're lucky enough to make it, uh, to the final game, everyone's coming out. There was talk that you know had the playoff had Ohio State not uh, made the playoffs, CJ Stroud would have already announced that he's entering the draft and he wouldn't have played in the playoff game. We talked about Smith and Jimba, uh, Paris Johnson. I'm told is going to enter the draft. There's a good chance Luke, Paris Johnson, the left tackle, very good chance Luke Whipler, the center, is going to enter the draft. Steel Chambers, that's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, the uh, the linebacker who's a lot like Trenton Simpson in the sense that he's very athletic. He's a good pursuit linebacker. And their tight end, Cade Stover, I'm told, is also going to enter the draft. What I'm hearing out of Michigan is their top guys or their top defensive guys, DJ Turner, the cornerback, has already decided on representation for the draft. He's going to enter once Michigan is out of the playoffs, whether it be uh, the semifinals, the championship game. Mazzy Smith also very likely to enter. So is Mike Morris, the uh, the pass rusher, the edge rusher, who has done a terrific job this year, both standing up out of a three point stance, BJ uh, Ojolari type of player. Those three guys from Michigan, I'm told, expected to enter the draft once Michigan ends their run in the college football playoffs. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. And of course, stay tuned to draft season. We'll I'll probably have some word on that once you get through some of these college playoff games as well. And then at some point, we're going to go through all the senior bowl stuff too. And, you know, uh, the Shrine game. We'll talk to some people about some of the players uh, going to those events as well. 
Hey, Giant fans, you got one more home game to go. Giants taking on the Colts on New Year's Day. Go to Giants.com slash tickets to find your game and secure your seat. And, Tony, as the NFL kind of wraps up their regular season here, all the scouts are out looking at these bowl games. We already had a, a group of bowl games, none of the monsters, some smaller schools and stuff. Anyone over the last week worth of games caught your eye that you think fans should keep an eye on? Uh, UAB won their bowl game. I believe it was, what, Friday they played. Uh, and they have two players who are going to the Shrine game. One of them is the cornerback Ster, uh, Sterling. The other one is their left tackle, Kadeem Telford, who really impressed me this season. Telford is a massive offensive tackle, 6'8", 332 pounds. He is a dominant run blocker. He is a right tackle prospect in the NFL. He's a guy who came back for his second senior season. He could have entered last year, but he, he rolled the dice. He came back. He played much better in 2022 than he did in 2021. I think he's got to shed a little bit of weight. I think he's the type of offensive lineman who's got to learn to bend his knees and do a better job blocking with proper pad level. But Kadeem Telford of UAB, who played on Friday in the bowl game, is an definite late-round possibility. I think if he shines at the uh, at the Shrine game, uh, he, he'll really help his draft stock. And I think he's a legitimate next-level prospect, a guy you're going to get in the late rounds, could develop him down the road as a starter, could be a swing, an ex, inexpensive swing tackle based on his experience at Alabama-Birmingham playing left tackle. All right, let's look ahead now, Tony. Unless there's someone else you want to touch on, feel free uh, for the games that already took place. We've got a few bowl games coming up. I'll, I'll just list a bunch of them, and you could pick out anybody that jumps out to you. Uh, Monday night, Marshall-UConn, uh, the 20th, you get Eastern Michigan-San Jose State, Liberty-Toledo, uh, on Wednesday, Western Kentucky, South Alabama. Then you get in some of the bigger names here. Baylor Air Force in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. You get Wake Forest, Missouri in the Home Mortgage Bowl. Uh, Louisiana and Houston. Uh, then you got, you know, into the um, into the weekend here and early next week. Uh, New Mexico Bowling Green. Um, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. Uh, anybody from those games that really jump out at you that, that you think are, are worth talking about, the floor is yours. Well, you know, the problem is a lot of the top guys have already opted out. You know, you look at Florida State, Oklahoma, you look at that great would have been a great matchup between Alex Verse, the pass rusher from Florida State, who I'm told is going to enter the draft against Anton Harrison, the left tackle from Oklahoma, who's already entered the draft. And he's out in the West Coast right now training for uh, for the combine. So uh, unfortunately, that kind of ruins those matchups. Eastern Michigan plays San Jose State. Eastern Michigan has got a terrific pass rusher by the name of Jose Ramirez, another guy who went back for a second senior season, played really well this year. I think he's a late-round pick. You look at uh, Wake Forest against Missouri. I haven't heard about Chris Abrams drain the cornerback from Missouri, but he is expected to end his rep. I have not heard that he's not going to play in this game. If he does, Sam Hartman, the Wake, Wake Forest receivers against Chris Abrams drain of Missouri, who's expected to be a day two pick once he enters the draft. That is a matchup to watch. NC State has got a a, a terrific linebacker uh, who, who has had an injury history in the past. Um, his name escapes me right now. Hang on. Sorry. Tony has his spreadsheets, folks. He has everybody in his spreadsheets. He's just got to find them. (laughs) That's it. Peyton Wilson. I'm sorry. Peyton Wilson uh, from North Carolina State. He's athletic. He's explosive. When you watch him as a player, he is legitimately a day two linebacker. But when you look at the medical history, which is multiple shoulder issues, he's more of an undrafted free agent. So that's a guy to watch in the bowl season. 
Very good. Uh, so check that out. And again, we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode. And you can, of course, uh, we'll go deeper into some of those bowl games and we'll hit up uh, the first round of the college football playoffs as well. Two more things, Tony, before we say goodbye. Mike Leach yeah. uh, tragically passed away last week. Uh, still no details. I know the reports are that it was a heart issue. Yeah. Um, but just a big loss for, for college football and the sport. Uh, you can't find anyone with a bad thing to say about the guy as a person. Obviously, you know, you watch his press conferences, you know what a worldly guy he is. He's a lot of opinions about a lot of subjects. But more importantly, from an X's and O's standpoint, Tony, he changed college football and he changed high school football. And he's in it's in the process of changing NFL football. Yeah. What he did with that air raid system has leaked into everything everyone does. And he's an innovator and, and he deserves all the credit in the world for doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just one continuation. I mean, the, the colleges take the, the kids that they recruit from high school and, and the bigger athletes, which used to be, uh, you know, the, on the defensive side of the ball are now put at receiver or now put at pass catcher. And that affects what the NFL does. I mean, Leach took that Texas Tech program that was down and he really built it up. He then goes to Washington State, which was for the longest time, the cellar dwellers in the Pac-12. And he got them into the bowl uh bowl scene after basically their season was over before it began and then he was doing good things at mississippi state and you know developed a lot of players uh, and basically they weren't great players but he put this he developed the system and put them in a system where they could uh really succeed and they did a great job and you know you mentioned <clears throat> the type of personality he is uh, he was a fun guy to watch because he was able to make fun of everybody and anybody, especially himself. And I, I mean, it, it was fun to watch. I, I was told that it was a situation where I, he was told during the season that he wasn't feeling well and that he should take some time off, but he was just a workaholic and he loved football and he loved coaching and he didn't want to stay away. Yeah. Those are a report from somebody that covered him for a long time down there that said he was suffering basically from heart failure um, over the course of the year. So um it's just it, it's a shame to, to lose such an innovator. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you look at, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is a coach in the NFL right now. Right. He has basically taken that system and, you know, he, he kind of mastered that. You know, I, I was listening to the interview he did with uh, the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. And he talked about the importance of, you know, not doing a hundred things once, but doing one thing a hundred times and just mastering a few specific things. And that's kind of what he focused on. Just execute a few things really well. And that's going to help you be successful. Yeah. And, and then there's the all the personality part of it. I mean, I mean, he was just a fun, fun guy. I'm sure people have watched the, uh, the reruns of the documentary, the short documentary. And the fact that uh, he is secure enough that he had that picture of the George Costanza type picture with his head on it. People know what I'm talking about. They saw that documentary. I think just speaks volumes about him as a person. It's a shame. It's a shame for his family. It's a shame for the team. And, it, it, you know, I, I know we're talking about Mike Leach, but it's already affecting uh, some of the Mississippi State players and their next level decisions. Some guys were planning to go back for uh, a second senior season. They're already saying, listen, we're going to go to the NFL draft. We don't want to deal with another cha uh, coaching change. And then there's the quarterback there, uh, Will Rogers. I mean, is he going to enter the draft? There's talk he could uh, transfer. So it, it had a really big impact. We talk about it from the outside looking in, but from the players that uh, he coached, it's really affected them as well. Yeah, and the last thing we'll touch on here, Tony, is, is the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Caleb Williams out of USA, you know, just, uh, you know, 
go out there, play for that coach. If you're a quarterback, you got a really good chance of, of Lincoln Riley. You got a really good chance of winning the Heisman Trophy, it seems. And, you know, Croc pointed out, I think, either last show or the show before, how Kayla Williams had some traits that reminded him of Patrick Mahomes. I went back and I did a really quick watch. He's not coming out this year. He'll be, you know, in the line for the first overall pick next year. And I see it, you know, different arm angles, very creative. He can move. A uh, really good arm. He he just has some real, real special traits that if you get him with the right coach, like an Andy Reid, you could turn those, you know, that ability into an excellent NFL quarterback. And, and that's the key, getting him with the right coach, because he's a good quarterback prospect, but you're going to have to get a coach that can harvest it and put him in the right uh, right situation, uses all his targets, can make all the throws, uh, very athletic, a guy who's a great leader. I mean, he was just a tremendous leader, uh, both at Oklahoma when he when he uh, took over in uh, 2021 and at USC. And for what it's worth, my wife is a big fan after watching his Heisman Trophy speech because she thought he did such a great job. So uh, he seems to be that type, not only a, you know, a great leader on the field, but a leader off the field as well. I'm going to have to start making a Tony's wife draft board, uh-huh. and I'll start with Kayla Williams. I'll see who else gets on that board, Tony. Tony, anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? That's it. I mean, happy holidays to everybody. And uh, we're, we're getting closer to, uh, to obviously, the Super Bowl, the National Championship, and, and a lot of football in, in the coming weeks uh, during the week, not just on the weekends. No question. For those celebrating Hanukkah, you're in the middle of it. Enjoy, celebrate, enjoy the Festival of Lights. Christmas coming up. Enjoy that. Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll be back again next Wednesday with another episode of Draft Season. Eric Crocker should be back from California and back in the mix with us on next Wednesday. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Draft Season. It's all brought to you by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and official partner of the New York Football Giants. For Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time. It's Draft Season.